Welcome to America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Advisory services offered through the Retirement Guys Formula. Registered Investment Advisor, America's Retirement Headquarters, America's Medicare Associates, and the Retirement Guys Formula are separate and independent entities from Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Thanks so much for joining us today and welcome into America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula, America's Medicare Associates with Nolan Baker and Jazz Price this week. My name is Chris Swan. Here's how you reach out to the show, 419-794-3030. If you have questions about things we talk about this week or you just want to know more about your retirement, that's the number to get in touch with America's Retirement Headquarters, 419-794-3030, online, arhq.com. On today's show, we're going to talk about some of the common estate planning mistakes, how healthcare expenses impact your retirement and after an abysmal 2022, is the 60-40 portfolio back on track in 2023? All this and more. But first, let me check in with the guys. Chaz, Nolan, glad to be with you. How are you doing today? Doing well. Glad to be back on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, nice weather we've been having recently. So, Yeah, it is great. Uh, nice weather is uh, coming up. March Madness right around the corner. So. It'll be here before we know it. Absolutely. And, you know, some people say it's the most wonderful time of the year. And, uh, you know, if they could say the same thing when it comes to it being tax season, that's debatable. But uh, there's a lot of things that can go and impact beyond just taxes that you owe in 2022. A lot of things could affect your retirement prospects. So it's going to talk about some of these right now. You know, the Federal Reserve has signaled it might raise interest rates at least two more times before it considers scaling back and pausing on that. Economist Jeremy Siegel tells Fox Business he actually thinks that's a mistake. Jay Powell already says the biggest force of monetary policy works with a lag. It's sometimes six months, nine months, 12 months. So this tremendous tightening, one of the greatest in, in history, its effects have not been felt. I would prefer that they stop now. I think there's enough evidence that the prices are down, that they could pause and wait and see the course. I think continued increases will increase the risk of a recession in the second half of this year. So he's saying that it might take a year for us to feel the full effects here. If that is the case, I think the question is this. Are stocks or bonds better in, in times of rising interest rates? Well, we you know, we have had really kind of aggressive interest rate rising in the past year or so. And, you know, it does take time, I think, for things to settle in. I, I think if you look at the housing market as a perfect example, you know, we had such a hot housing market. Uh, now that mortgage rates are up dramatically, you're starting to see maybe it's slowing down with the number of buyers that are out there, but it's still kind of a hot market. It does take, I think, some time for things to settle in a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I agree totally um, with the segment piece there early in that it does take some time. I mean, the Fed's been rising rates for the past, what, nine to 10 months mm -hmm. now. And, you know, the reality is that when you think about major expenses like rent, um, you may not know that you're getting an increase for the next 12 months or so because uh, you have a you have a lease or some sort of employment contract. If you're going to go and increase your ask for your boss for more income, you know, you may not be able to do so for another 12 months or so. So I agree. Uh, Jeremy Siegel is spot on in the fact that they may be overdoing the the Fed uh, rate tightening. And um, my other point that I wanted to make also is just that the Fed has not been traditionally real great at navigating us out of or avoiding financial crises in the past. I mean, Ben Bernanke in 2006, uh, the subprime mortgage crisis, you know, the Chairman Powell said that um, we we totally underestimated inflation and, and the uh, you know transientness of it. And so, I mean, my takeaway from that piece is that you can't rely on the government to provide for your future. Yeah. I would agree. And, you know, they oftentimes get it wrong. And they even admitted just recently when they started it that they didn't realize inflation was going to get so out of control. And, mm -hmm. and so that's what it leaves the investor wondering, you know, are stocks or bonds better when interest rates rise? And so if, if you look at it like last year in 2022, uh, both stocks and bonds had really a, a terrible year. In fact, it was probably one of the worst years on record for a long time for the traditional 60-40 mix because both categories went 
went down. You know, early on when interest rates go up, bond prices have historically gone down, and that's exactly what we saw uh, last year. So near term, there still could be some risk with rising interest rates, the impact on how it's going to have for the bond market. You know, the stock market also has some fluctuations because of the chain reaction that can happen with dramatic increases when interest rates go up. Uh, really what happens is you have the cost of borrowing um, is going to get higher. You know, when the economy is growing too quickly, central banks are going to raise the interest rates to slow down and try to fight off inflation. And when the economy is slow, um, then in you know more of a recessionary environment, that's where central banks are going to look to lower interest rates and, and encourage borrowing and stimulate economic growth. So here we have when interest rates go up too fast, it can cause several issues and factors for the stock market. First, you know, higher interest makes it more expensive for companies to borrow money. Um, you know, that can lead to decreased investment and slower growth. Uh, that's why you saw last year a lot of the growth-oriented companies were some of the most impacted companies out there. And this can cause companies to become less profitable. It can lead to a decrease in stock prices. Uh, additionally, when you have higher interest rates, it can lead to decreased consumer spending. So as you talk about, you know, if somebody's mortgage gets higher or, you know, if the cost of goods get higher, um, their credit card rates get higher, interest goes higher, things get more expensive, they may borrow less. It's going to cause a decrease in sales and profits of companies that rely on that consumer spending. Uh, this in turn can cause a decrease in stock price as investors become less optimistic about the company's future. So you got to know what you own. You know, are the companies that you're invested into, are they really dependent upon that strong consumer spending? And have you thought through the fact of what if consumer spending slows down? Furthermore, higher interest rates can also make bonds more attractive uh, to investors. Uh, we've been talking about on the radio show different type of bonds that are out there. Uh, one great example is the fact that government I-bonds are the highest rate uh, that I've seen in decades. Yeah. If you look at a lot of the other traditional fixed income rates that are out there, uh, they're back up to decade-level highs. You know, So people that are looking to try to take advantage of the interest rate rise, you know, as the yield on the bond rises, making them really more appealing to investors for stable returns, looking for more income, uh, as a result, some investors are going to shift their money away from stocks, move it into bonds, and that can also lend towards a decrease in the appetite for people buying stocks uh, and, and a potential decrease in stock price. And, you know, last, I would say with higher interest rates, it can cause a decrease in economic growth. It's going to lead to decrease in corporate earnings, decrease in stock price. Uh, as interest rates rise, it becomes more difficult for businesses uh, to borrow money, uh, lending to a decrease in investment against slower growth, causes a decrease in consumer spending. So, you know, really, I would say in my conclusion, when interest rates go up too fast, it can have a significant impact on the stock market. Uh, highest, higher interest rates can also lead to decreased investments, decreased consumer spending, decreased economic growth, all of which can cause a decrease uh, in potential stock prices. As such, investors really need to monitor interest rates. You need to know what you own. Uh, I think the solution here is to have an independent portfolio analysis done. You know, have somebody like us take a look at what you own. We can slice and dice the different investments that you have, talking to you about which companies may be bigger impacted by uh, less consumer demand or other companies or bonds that could pay higher interest rates than what you own right now. Yeah, I'd agree. And, and there's just so much that we don't know about monetary policy, which is, you know, back to Jeremy Siegel's point about why there's such a risk that if you increase so quickly that you can cause some significant harm to the economy, um, especially in the fact you, you kind of touched on it too, in that much of the economy is based on investors expectations and what their perception is and i loved at our last um event that we did i think you did that at red lobster and you just kind of did a little social experiment where we asked how many people think the market's going to go down 20 percent in the next six months uh, a lot of hands went into the air and then we asked well how many people think the market's going up 20 percent in the next six months and there weren't a whole lot there <laughs> so it, it's an auction like you say and so if people expect 
there to be a recession, if people expect there to be economic downturn, there probably is going to be one because they're going to act that way. And so that's, again, just kind of bringing it back to the uh, the rising interest rates, why it's so uh, much of a risk is, is that um, when they anchor at that 2%, you know, they've talked about inflation needs to be at 2% before we stop. Uh, there's really no way for them to control that because it's the investors' expectations. And so bonds are certainly um, benefiting from that uh, aggressive rising interest rate. We talk about it a lot. I don't think I've seen bond rates in the last 20 years like this. Uh, there's going to be a time, though, when I think it's going to be an optimal uh, plan to buy some longer-term bonds, but probably not now. I mean, I think we still expect to see a lot of interest rate increases in the next six to 12 months. And so, as you pointed out, Nolan, bonds will go down, but there will come a time when I think it makes a lot of sense for investors to, you know, maybe move into a 10 or 20 year sort of bond. Uh, corporate rates are close to five and 6%. You can even get treasuries for three and 4%. Uh, compared to the average dividend yield right now in the S&P, it's about 1.7. So there's just not a whole lot of reason um, in this type of environment to be taking the added risk with the stocks when there's such a, a, a more attractive, maybe less risky alternative. We've used this analogy before. The the Fed continuing to raise interest rates is kind of akin to uh, trying to get a pot of water to boil. And so you keep turning up the heat and you, you keep moving it without really waiting for the effects of that last increase you had. And so they keep rising interest rates and they said they're going to cool down a little bit, but we haven't really seen the ramifications of it yet and it could very well boil over sooner rather than later mm -hmm. the good news is we're not there yet there are things you can do right now there are strategies moves and and certainly things where the higher interest rates can be more favorable and to explore some of these options like Chaz and Nolan were just talking about give a call schedule a time to speak with the team at America's Retirement Headquarters real easy to get in touch with 419-794-3030 is the phone number 419-794-3030 you can always schedule a time and check out the upcoming events they've got going on uh, throughout the next couple months at ARHQ.com. Not to make everything we talk about this week be all doom and gloom, but I want to go back to the 2008 financial crisis, specifically the movie The Big Short, which documented the crisis. Steve Carell played the part of Steve Eisman, and he was the one who bet against the housing sector, made millions in the crash. Just recently, the real-life Steve Eisman says he believes the stock market is experiencing a shift away from growth in tech stocks to a more conservative approach involving fixed products and higher interest rates, like we were just talking about. What are you telling people that ask right now, what is the best way to invest my retirement savings? I do think that everybody wants to know that. We just recently did some events uh, that we had talked about, the five threats and opportunities that are facing retirees and had an opportunity to kind of meet with a lot of people starting to share some of those ideas. Uh, in fact, if you haven't come out and listened to one of the uh, financial updates that we're talking about, we do have a couple of other ones that are coming up um, that are listed on our website. Uh, the website address is ARHQ.com. Uh, two of them, I think, that are important to try to help answer that question are March 13th and March 15th. We're going to be going over the retirement playbook. So we're going to be giving out uh, those folks that are close to or in retirement time, you know, what we believe to be some of the best ways to invest their retirement savings. In fact, uh, we recently did an interview with uh, Coach Mike Jarvis. So if you uh, haven't seen his book, his book is on why everybody needs a head coach. Um, in fact, if you haven't read his book, if you'd like to read, I have uh, a couple of autographed copies of this book. Uh, for the first five callers that call in from the show, we would be happy to give you an autographed copy of this book and extend an invitation to come out to listen to what our playbook is. Uh, you can go to ARHQ.com, click on the events tab, or give our office a call. We'd be happy. Again, the first five callers can get a copy of that. But when we were looking at, I think, investing our life savings, you know, I think, Chaz, a big part of that comes down to our core philosophy of the independent income system. And, you know, when you get that question for folks, how do you answer that? Yeah, I always, um, I have no question that the independent income system really is the best strategy for a retiree because what we're doing here that's different than uh, other advisory firms is that we're actually building you a customized retirement plan, which means that the expenses that you are expecting to have to spend and the amounts and, and the time that you're going to need them are actually some of the inputs that we use to build your, your asset allocation. Conversely, you know, some advisory firms, you know, other investment uh, strategies in general just call for a 
again, like a 60-40 portfolio where we're going to put 60% of your money in stocks, 40% in bonds. Uh, we're going to diversify. We're going to own a lot of different stocks and bonds and mutual funds. And we're going to hope that more go up than more go down. And to me, that's not as, as good of a strategy as knowing that you're in a customized approach that somebody's taking the time to uh, basically take into consideration your specific needs when we're building the plan. So that's exactly what why I like the independent income system so much is, is because it it gives a name and a face to that philosophy that I've always kind of had, but that been able to trademark and actually be able to, to implement it in a way that is not difficult. Yeah. So when you're looking at what is the best way to invest my retirement savings, you know, it's a matter of stepping back for a minute and saying, you know, what is the time frame when I'm going to use that money? I mean, there's probably a different approach for somebody who's pulling money off of their retirement accounts than somebody who's, you know, saving money and they don't need for 10 years down the road. Uh, we believe that when you're looking to invest part of your money, it's important that you're putting money into an account that give you enough reliable income to cover your minimum monthly income needs. Right. Uh, we believe it's important to have a bucket of money that's designed to give you a, a potential future pay raise. Uh, I personally believe for long-term growth, I think, you know, equities uh, can make a lot of sense as long as, again, you have a very defined investment strategy and an approach on how to put things together um, using things like, you know, circuit breakers so you can try to avoid significant losses. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense when you have money set aside for an emergency so you know what that money is going to be used for and trying to maximize those. A lot of times when people come to the office, they have a good, but we want to take them from good to great type portfolio. So you might be listening today, you know, you might not know whether you have a custom approach or whether you have an approach that's a one size fits all strategy. But I think as you point out, Chaz, having a customized approach and then putting the right financial products in place to serve the right needs makes a lot of sense. It's no different than when you look at coach Mike Jarvis on how he builds out his team, right? You've got different players that are designed to do different things that fill in for different spots mm -hmm. for different goals and different intentions. And then when you put that all together, that really helps determine, you know, what might be the best way to invest for retirement savings for folks when you really understand the purpose of that. Uh, if you haven't watched that video, just again, you can Google uh, independent income system and there's a nice 15 minute video that walks you through where those threats and opportunities are uh, that are out there. Or better yet, again, if you haven't come out to one of our events, just go to ARHQ.com, uh, click on the events tab. We'd love to have you come out. The event that we do have coming up here shortly is going to be on, again, March 13th and March 15th. We're talking about the retirement playbook. Uh, I do have a couple of these autographed books, so I have five of them. And the first five people who give us a call, um, they can get a copy of this book for Everybody Needs a Head Coach. Uh, you can also get your tickets to come out to the event. If you call the office, uh, we'd be happy to get that to you and get that information out to you. Uh, just let us know you, you wanted one of those books and you want tickets and we'll make that happen. Yeah. You know, I kind of use the analogy also of developing your investment strategy and kind of showing the difference between what's required when you're in the accumulation phase versus when you're in the distribution phase, which you kind of touched on a little bit today. And and, you know, to me, climbing a mountain is a lot different than getting back down the mountain. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know this, but oftentimes some of the, the heaviest accidents and the most deaths occur on the way down. And it makes sense to me, you know, because it's a totally different path. You know, before when you're climbing the mountain, there's a separate set of skills that you need. But then once you get to the top of the mountain and you're looking down and you're saying, how should I spend these dollars? Where am I going to get taxed the least? Those are a lot of a different type of question than, you know, some of the questions that maybe younger individuals ask about how can I get to the top as quickly as possible? You know, there's one thing to consider getting to the top, you know, being maybe just climbing freehand, you can get to the top a lot faster. But if just on that one day, you know, there was something, uh, a, a piece of rock that wasn't set and you touched it just the right way, where, where else can you get real fast, you know, climbing freehanded uh, to the bottom? And so uh, most when we meet with clients, uh, you know, our first initial uh, discovery session, I find a lot of times that clients in that retirement red zone, that three to five years prior to retirement are climbing freehanded. You know, they have nothing that's tethering them to the mountain, no 
fail safe, no circuit breaker, no um, you know, fixed annuity or, or some sort of investment that's going to protect you in, in any situation. Like last year, stocks and bonds and, and everything were down. Our clients that own the, the annuities were very happy because they didn't experience loss. So that's one transition uh, that we want to make sure that you have that's part of your investment strategy as a retiree is don't climb the mountain freehand. You need to be tethered to the mountain. And that way you can control how far you fall. You know, we need to be able to control the risk that we're willing to accept, taking out those low lows and sometimes the high highs, but in doing so, we're in better control. And I think that's really the the main uh, goal for a retirement investment strategy is control what you can control. I think it's probably been pretty eye-opening for people in the past, you know, uh, 16 months or so, a year and a half of, of how much risk they're actually taking, you know, from 2010 up until 2020, people thought they were very comfortable with a large amount of risk because, well, it was pretty hard to not make money in the market. But as volatility has crept back into the picture, people, especially as they get closer to retirement, are probably taking a pause at that and figuring out, well, I got to find a way to, to minimize these market downturns and minimize what it's doing to my retirement accounts. And the truth of it is with a proper plan, uh, like the independent income system that the team at America's Retirement Headquarters can, can create individually for you, uh, you can you can do just that. It all starts with picking up the phone and giving a call 419-794-3030. Don't forget if you're one of the first five callers, a complimentary copy of Coach Mike Jarvis's book, an autographed copy of the book, Everybody Needs a Head Coach, as well as tickets to the upcoming uh, Retirement Playbook Workshop on March 13th, March 15th. Again, 419-794-3030. You can also peruse all the events coming up at arhq.com. Now, it's not just the market performance and taxation, all these things you have to consider in retirement. Healthcare, one of the largest expenses in retirement, is a major factor. It's also one of the top reasons a person is forced to retire perhaps earlier than they expected. So as part of the comprehensive planning process, you guys are, you find it important that healthcare costs and strategies are, are factored in when it comes to retirees. So the question is, how is healthcare, how are those expenses going to impact retirement? Uh, that's a really good question. We get that often. And you know, one topic that I like to bring out about the healthcare costs for retirees is the baby boomer generation. So like toys and cars and homes, the baby boomer generation is impacting healthcare and long-term care in a similar fashion. Uh, so to compare um, quick stats here, in 2000, Medicare eligible population was 35.1 million. And so by the end of 2030, that number is expected to increase to about 69.7 million. I think also I heard there's about 10,000 retirees turning 65 every day. So long-term care, uh, the need for acute services, um, and healthcare costs are, are, are going to increase right along with the population of, of Medicare eligibility. And so it's, it's important. One of the things that we talk about, but we probably could talk about it more, is just trying to help retirees reduce their spend in retirement for healthcare. Now, a lot of that probably has to do with, you know, just the the rates of, you know, people living longer, but more so the rates of uh, conditions or chronic illnesses like obesity, diabetes, cholesterol, hypertension. You know, these are all conditions that put strains on the, the healthcare industry. And so one of the things that I love about working at the retirement guys is that I can lean on Scott Kirshner and the team at America's uh, Medicare Associates to help make sure that my client's plan for healthcare um, is incorporated into their financial plan. You know, it gives me the comfort of knowing that their life expectancy, their health issues uh, are incorporated into, you know, the spending that I'm going to have to plan for. So that's a nice benefit of working with AMA. And, you know, when you're looking at healthcare expenses, it's really a big impact for every retiree. And, you know, the cost of healthcare in retirement time, it can really vary widely. It depends upon things like your health, uh, maybe even where you're located at, your insurance coverage, your, as you point out, lifestyle choices. According to some of the studies that are out there that I see, the average healthcare cost for a retiree, it can range from anywhere from 285000 to 400000 in the course of somebody's retirement time, um, when you factor all of these in there, uh, a perfect example that we did in working again in hand-in-hand looking at how the financial decisions impact the healthcare decisions is one, uh, I think we've seen 
perfect examples where Scott has brought somebody's health insurance more current today, uh, looking at the difference between supplemental and advantage plans, knowing the ins and outs and the pros and cons of people, you know, oftentimes don't pay attention to the, the pros and cons and what the difference is. Uh, number two, you know, I recently had uh, some people that came in from our uh, workshop that we did talking about the threats and opportunities facing retirees. And a couple of them, their biggest concern was, how do I protect my assets down the road if I need some type of long-term care? You know, gentlemen shared a story with me about, you know, dad going into a facility and a nursing home and what the cost was. Well, we were able to take some of their uh, current dollars that they have and just leverage them to be able to get them long-term care benefits, uh, covering them from things like critical, chronic, terminal illness coverage without having to buy traditional long-term care. So folks, there's things that we can do. It's, you know, Medicare premiums. It's looking at things like your prescription drugs. It's looking at the issues of long-term care. It's looking at the issues of out-of-pocket expenses and, you know, developing a plan to help you minimize some of those costs and coordinate it all in, in retirement is really kind of how you, you bring it all together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they're spot on with that. And so, you know, I guess, uh, you know, the biggest thing when it comes to healthcare is, you know, know the numbers and, um, you know, just trying to do everything we can to keep the healthcare costs down, working with a, a specialist that knows the ins and outs of the individual plans and making sure that, you know, they get you the plan that's the, the one that is going to benefit you the most from uh, prescription drug program to you know, out of pockets. I mean, I've seen him in some of these meetings, he'll actually type in the drugs that you're taking, you know, and so uh, sometimes a little hard to spell or pronounce, but we'll get them in there. And the computer software is so specific, it'll tell you how many times you're likely to go to the doctor based on this particular drug that mm -hmm. you take. Um, and, and so armed with that information, I know you not a whole lot of other firms have that capability. We do that here at America's Retirement Headquarters can really give you our best estimates and, and insight into the future about what it's going to cost you for health care. And that's where the retirement guys and America's Medicare Associates working together under, you know, the our America's Retirement Headquarters umbrella really comes into play in your favor because it's not just about having income in retirement. It's not just about health care and retirement or taxation. It's all of these things that while you're in the working world, you may not have thought about, but it is crucial that you do. And the team at America's Retirement Headquarters can help not just bring these issues you may face to light, but offer solutions as a way to uh, get you to, through, and beyond retirement. So to give a call, to schedule a time, and, and you know create that comprehensive plan, 419-794-3030 is the phone number. Once again, 419-794-3030, or go online, arhq.com. You know, this year, we've already seen several celebrities and, and famous people pass away, including Lisa Marie Presley. Uh, that estate, there's been some some legal turmoil go on there. And just this past weekend, Law & Order star Richard Belger passed away. Uh, but it brings up the point that estate planning isn't just for the rich and famous. It's actually for everybody. As you guys have worked with families for decades, what are some common estate planning mistakes that you, you often see? Well, I definitely see some mistakes that blow families up, and uh, it's something you, you really want to avoid. People oftentimes think, you know, estate planning is just for the rich, and in fact, it is. And I mean, I think the, the rich point out, though, the importance that it is to plan in, in the situation. So I finally had an opportunity to watch the movie Elvis. Um, I hadn't had like three hours to sit down because it's kind of a long movie, but I had a long flight out west and got to to watch that. You know, here's a, a, a situation that played out of a celebrity that, uh, you know, died fairly young. Um, you know, he had his daughter, Lisa Marie, which, as we all know, is one of the famous people who passed away this year. And, you know, Lisa Marie's son passed away uh, before her. So here you've got a couple of different things that are that are moving parts that, that happen. And, you know, it's been my experience that people who have uh, poor estate plans in place are the ones that usually end up in the, the most disastrous situation. I think we even saw this happen when a prince passed away, mm -hmm. you know, with having a, a poor estate plan in place. So first and foremost, number one is failing to plan. Uh, I think no matter what your financial net worth is, you know, having legal documents in place and letting people know, you know, what's important to you is critical in every situation. It's also critical when you're looking at having that plan in place to have not only the documents that deal with what if I die, but the documents that talk about, you know, what happens if I get 
sick, hurt, or incapacitated uh, and looking at those. Uh, so number one, failing to plan. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I would I would add say that was you know kind of um, tantamount to just kind of sticking your head in the sand and and not really addressing some of these concerns, which. You know, I understand people say sometimes, oh, it's not going to be my problem. Somebody else can worry about it. But you're really putting your family and your friends in, in a very precarious situation. Um, one of the other big, uh, you know, concerns that we see with estate planning um, comes up quite often. And it's really one of the easier ones to, to fix is making your children owners of your assets. And so I've seen this in a couple of occasions where, People, you know, want to make things easy, you know, to, to handle accounts and to transfer monies and pay bills and things like that. So they add their children as beneficiaries on their assets. And so it's usually one of the things that we talk about in our uh, financial planning sessions to not do that. That's one of the easy things we can tell you, hey, if you take anything away, don't do that. Because even if your child is very responsible um, they can still be attached. They, those assets can be attached for bankruptcy and any litigation, uh, any you know, situation where they're being sued, you know, even divorce sometimes. So we've seen, you know, much easier way is to have a power of attorney and the power of attorney is going to allow that that child to affect your affairs, change, you know, um, you know, balances and, and pay bills and things like that and do everything that they need to do. In a, in a much more comprehensive and, um, I guess, uh, legally friendly way. So again, you want to be very careful about having children listed as an owner on account uh, with mom or dad. Uh, another perfect example of that is I had somebody who had recently come into the office and uh, this particular client was looking to go get a condo, um, was going to add her daughter onto the condo as an owner um, because it, they thought financially would be able to get a better mortgage rate, having the, the financial credit of the daughter who's still working. Um, now, mom has uh, three children, right? So the, the issues that I brought up, I said, you know, well, uh, you're thinking about it from a credit financial perspective. That makes sense. I mean, you think you want to look at it that way. But as you point out, when you have other people listed as owners, you know, I talked about what it, what happens if, uh, the daughter gets sued. Right. You know, what would happen in that situation? Because, you know, the house, she's a co-owner of that. Uh, what happens if, God forbid, the daughter passes away, right? Mm -hmm. um, what happens on the flip end of the scale if mom passes away? You know, is that the daughter's house right. now? Or was that money supposed to be divided equally amongst the three kids? Because ownership and the titling of assets may uh, override, you know, what it says in your will. Absolutely. Things like name beneficiaries could override what it says in your will or your estate plans. Um, what happens if mom goes into a nursing home, you know, from a Medicaid spin down and how that will impact things. So you want to know, you know, again, how to properly title your assets. The other thing I think is important uh, when we're looking at this is uh, failing to update your estate plan. So uh, before I dive into that, what I would say is that if you're not sure about your estate plans and you want to avoid some of these most common mistakes, what we did is we took our combined years and decades of experience and we put together what is called the ultimate estate planning checklist. Within that ultimate estate planning checklist, we list out some of these common estate planning mistakes. If you just reach out to our office, um, give us a call, shoot us an email, go to our website, arhq.com, right there you know, at the bottom, you can reach out to us. We'll get you a copy of the ultimate estate planning checklist. You know, my experience is when people go through that nine out of 10 times, they find some of these common mistakes could catch them off guard. And, you know, when somebody passes away, you don't get a do-over. So you got to get it right the first time and uh, you don't want to make a mistake. So this, again, this next mistake is failing to update your estate plans. Um, that can happen when maybe, uh, unfortunately, adult child passes away. Uh, the default language and the questions that are out there is, you know, in the example that I talked about with the, the lady who came in, she had three children. Heaven forbid something happens to one of her adult children, um, you know, and she doesn't update her estate plans. Is the money just going to go to the two surviving kids? But what if she wanted 
her daughter who passed away share go to her kids. Right. You know, that's the difference between what's called per stirpes, per capita language. Um, you know, those are the issues that you want to look at when you're looking at making sure that you keep your estate plans up to date. Uh, things like failing for incapacity, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, most people focus on just the ultimate of when they pass away, but it's also important to focus on the issues of incapacity. As you mentioned, Chaz, having those power of attorneys in place to designate someone to make financial and medical decisions on your behalf if you're unable to do so. I have also seen some situations, we had somebody come up to the office their mom was in a facility uh, already before they had met us. They came in. The daughter was the only living person in this situation that was the potential beneficiary. Mom was in a nursing home. She looked at mom's 401k. Mom's 401k had no beneficiary listed on the account. Mm -hmm. So the daughter wanted to use the power of attorney document to go to the 401k and make the changes. That company said no. And the reason that they said no is because the daughter was also the beneficiary of the account and within the power of attorney document it didn't list the language out that she had the permission to make a change to a beneficiary form when she was going to be the beneficiary on it as well so again you know what are those issues to look at when you're looking at incapacity is the proper language in place uh and the, the great thing is is you know we're giving you feedback from what we've seen with years of experience in this industry and, you know at the same time Chaz and i are not an attorney um, that's great, you know, attorneys in town, you might have an attorney that you work with. We're happy to work hand in hand with your attorney. And we're also happy to work if you don't have an attorney with one that we can, you know, introduce you to, to, to take a look at. Now, the big one, again, going back when we started talking about celebrities, but the other big one that uh, oftentimes I hear people say is I'm not rich. I don't need to do estate planning, but People's either biggest or second biggest asset they own is usually their retirement account. So whether, you know, you don't know this or not, during your lifetime or at some point when you pass that money on to like your children, non-spousal beneficiaries, that's when a lot of the tax implications can, you know, happen from transferring retirement accounts to your beneficiaries. There's been a couple of rule changes on how those taxes had to get paid. But, you know, in, in looking at it, taxes on estate planning are another uh, big issue to take a look at. You're spot on. There's just so much as I'm, as I'm listening to all the different implications. It's just something that you don't want to go on uh, generally on your own. You know, I know they have great services out there, legal Zoom and whatnot, but uh, this is definitely something if you have, you know, retirement accounts and assets, homes, multiple children, this would be something that you probably want to seek the uh, advice of an attorney and and definitely get started. Don't procrastinate. I think I saw the uh, figure that said less than half the percentage of the uh, Americans have a will even. So that's kind of mind boggling to me because even if you don't have, you know, much in assets, you still need to have some sort of written document for the disposition of your assets. And uh, I just think it just makes a lot of sense for everybody. You know, the word estate has an air of wealth about it, I think. So a lot of people do associate estate planning with the wealthy. And truth be told, we hear so often about these celebrities, Lisa Marie Presley, Prince, you know, great examples of people who had some estate planning problems. You know, they, they kind of have that that air of wealth about them as well. The truth is we hear about them because they're famous, but it happens every single day with, with people who aren't in the spotlight, but it can be avoided with a proper plan. And it's not something, as Nolan pointed out there, you know, you really get a do-over on because once... You know, you're really getting into the nuts and bolts of the estate plan. Well, there's one party there who, not to be blunt about it, can't really, you know, sign or make the changes to the documentation. So definitely a measure twice, cut what's the situation. And uh, with the help of the ultimate estate planning checklist, that's something that, you know, one less thing to concern yourself with when it comes to the, the retirement process. Reach out to the team at America's Retirement Headquarters. Get a copy of that checklist, 419-794-3030. Or you can also go online to ARHQ.com. Social Security going to be part of the retirement picture, of course, and the earliest you can claim Social Security benefits is the age 62, or you can wait later and effectively get an 8% per year raise up to the age 70. With that in mind, still 90%, nearly 90% of Americans claim theirs before their full retirement age, and a third of them are actually collecting their monthly checks starting right at 62 as soon as they can turn it on. So obviously this isn't the right answer for everybody, and there's so many different ways to go about it. How do you guys help clients calculate when the best time is to start claiming their benefits? Well, I think it's oftentimes comes down to understanding the ins and outs of 
how social security can work for you and it can work against you. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of tips today, but one of the tips that I'm going to give to you is to come out to our upcoming event. Uh, at our upcoming event, I'm going to dive quite a bit deeper into this particular topic. Uh, on March 13th and March 15th, uh, during our event called the Retirement Playbook uh, over at BGSU in the Levis Commons campus in Perrysburg, uh, we're going to be covering Social Security and help you be able to make smart decisions that are out there. If you look at the stats that are out there, according to the Social Security website, you know, roughly about 70% of people uh, last year, and that, that stat's been pretty consistent for the last couple of years, are electing to take Social Security before what is considered their full retirement age. So, you know, again, most people age 66 or 67 is full retirement age. You, as you pointed out, Chris, can take it as early as 62, but what happens is you take a lifetime penalty when you draw benefits early. Um, and then if you wait till later in life, you can get a substantial amount of more benefits uh, if you wait until age 70. But again, looking at the stats, only about 6% of women and 4% of men waited until age 70 to start collecting Social Security benefits, and that stat was from 2018. Um, what I hear, Chaz, when I ask that question, you know, one-on-one -on -one or in an audience, I think a couple of things that, that I hear is, uh, well, I thought I'd just start Social Security right when I retire. That's when it made sense. Mm -hmm. um, I hear people say, well, I hear Social Security is going broke. And, you know, we, we hear people talking about that all the time, mm -hmm. um, that it's going broke. And so they just want to grab what they can before it is exhausted. Uh, and then I also hear people say, well, I don't plan on living that long. So uh, I just better get what I can before I pass away. And I hear a similar uh, sentiment from almost everybody. And, and actually, that Social Security question, uh, I'm sure you agree, that's probably the question we get asked the most. It's the most difficult question to answer because either it's an entitlement issue, like you talked about, that people will say, well, I'm going to collect as soon as I can because I can, because I saved into it and it's my money. Or it's a solvency issue, like you mentioned, where Social Security is not going to be around or it's a longevity issue. But the reality is when you said 70% of people are collecting a reduced benefit, the other thing that, that um, came to mind is that, well, that means then that likely 70% of widows and widowers then are likely collecting a reduced benefit or living on a reduced benefit. So it's not so much the decision that you make, but it's the, the decision that you make uh, as a couple, if you're still married, that I think a lot of people fail to do is to look at the overall impact of what that decision is not only going to be on their life, but also on the spouse's life. But it really comes down to me and why it's so difficult to make that decision to help clients make that decision is because it's based on a longevity uh, matter. It's a question of how long you're going to live, which nobody likes to talk about. It's, it's, it's unpleasant to think about our mortality. And numbers get a, get thrown around all the time. We've done a lot of research. Um, life expectancies, for instance, life expectancy birth rate fell to uh, 73.1 for men and 79.1 for women in 2021. And that's according to the Centers of Disease Control. So if you use that data point, Nolan, it really doesn't make sense for anybody to wait to take Social Security, you know, to, to wait until 70 because you're not going to meet the break point uh, where you have to live long enough to get all, you know, to make that decision make sense. However, that, um, you know, I, I think that uh, overall life expectancy is being dragged down by by early mortalities. And, um, you know, someone that's 62 right now can generally expect to live to 85 is another um, uh, another estimate that I've received from Social Security, but it, it doesn't actually probably factor into consideration the mortality rate for people over 65 during the COVID pandemic. So, the question is, you know, how long are you going to live? I think probably a better way to to do that would be to, one, look at your own life expectancy, uh, family medical history. Mm -hmm. So you can see how long people lived in your family. Uh, if they had a similar lifestyle to your, your relatives, you know, that might be an easy way to predict predict your life expectancy in your, in your lifespan. The other way that we do it, probably a little bit more scientific, is when we run the Monte Carlo analysis in our financial planning software. And in that Monte Carlo uh, analysis, it's essentially a random number, a, a computer-generated simulation that we use to describe 
uh, the possibility of outcomes in your lifetime from here on out. And so if we run a scenario that shows you collecting Social Security at age 62 and it has a really high probability of success, then that might be one to consider. If, however, it shows if we run a scenario where you waited till 70 and it has a much higher probability of success, at least you have that information, you're armed with that analytical sort of methodical data for you to make those decisions about um, any other way is impossible because we just don't know. There's just no way for us to know how long you're going to live. So. Yeah, Monte Carlo is a good way to do it. But another way to do it is to take a look at it as far as the tax impact. So again, one more area where one decision impacts the other. So as you may or may not know, there's a taxation on Social Security benefits, uh, where if you draw benefits early, if you continue to work before your full retirement age, you could be penalized for excess earnings. Um, you can pay taxes on your benefits based upon what your earnings are, even after your full retirement age. Uh, but ultimately, by you know maybe taking other income or other investments in the early years and taking Social Security later, it, it can actually be much more tax favorable for you, too. Mm -hmm. uh, the way to figure it out is through getting a portfolio optimization report done. So for those of you that are not yet drawing Social Security, you know, if you're within five years of getting Social Security, uh, we have the software where we can run the portfolio optimization report for you. Uh, what we can do is we can put in the scenario. And one of the things that I usually ask people is I say, hey, what were you were originally thinking on when you're going to draw Social Security? We'll put that number in there. Uh, we can run the software and run what the numbers say could be the most optimized report based upon you know what somebody's life expectancy and they they think it's going to be we allow you to put some input into that and then we can run you know option two or three and run some different scenarios but you know doing that is going to be the best way to make the most educated decision uh, on how to make the decisions about uh, social security and again this is a topic that we're going to be covering at our upcoming uh, retirement playbook so it's one of uh, a couple of topics uh, we're going to touch on social security we'll talk about the state of the economy debt and taxes, risk in retirement, give you some of our uh, investment methodology philosophy, you know, talk to you about income planning. Uh, that's one more uh, way to help educate you. Those events on the website, ARHQ.com, again, March 13th, March 15th. Or if you just want to jump to the front of the line and you <laughs> want to get that Social Security analysis, uh, you can call our office directly. We'll just uh, jump you to the front of the line with the Social Security analysis. That number to give a call, 419-794-3030. Or if you feel so inclined and, and you want to attend those upcoming events, uh, the Retirement Playbook, where they're going to be discussing Social Security and so many other things as it pertains to your retirement. Uh, if, if you've got the time, they'd love to have you out there. March 13th, March 15th, you can find out more info, including how to go ahead and reserve your seats by going to ARHQ.com. We've spoken before about the 60-40 portfolio of stocks and bonds and how poorly it did in 2022, how poorly it actually lost 16%. But there are some analysts out there that say the worst is behind it and they're predicting big things for 60-40. It should earn 6.9% with moderate risk going forward. That's what they're saying. Guys, what do you think? Is that outlook too rosy? And when it comes to the portfolio partition is that something you ultimately leave up to clients or do they leave that up to you I, I you know i think a lot of people look to us for advice and guidance but one thing that i would say is if you look at last year the 60 40 portfolio was dead right and so making a decision on what already happened is like driving by looking in your rear view mirror that's not a good solution in fact when i look at 60 40 portfolio returns in 2023 I think that there's a lot of reasons why those portfolio returns could be strong. You know, if we can get the markets to continue to cooperate like they have so far in the early part of the year, uh, the stock and bond market, a 60-40 portfolio, you know, might be good for somebody who's looking to kind of just set it and forget it. You know, somebody who has time on their side. The, the biggest challenge, though, is that I want to address those folks that are close to or in retirement time, because even a 60-40 portfolio, what happens is whether I'm giving you advice or you're getting it from somebody on a TV or on Wall Street, nobody controls what the market does. What happens if we have another big hiccup? What happens if the market doesn't work out? What happens if things turn in the opposite direction? So the problem is, is there's no plan B. Uh, there's no alternatives in place. If you have another time that the stock and bond market get beat up and go down, then I think why it's important to have 
philosophy like what we've trademarked called the independent income system. So if you want to know, you know, what are the biggest threats right now, just Google independent income system. And, you know, we'll talk you through how to build out your portfolio uh, to make that journey a little bit smoother. I don't want you uh, making a financial decisions based upon what happened last year. Uh, I want you to make a decision based upon looking forward, not looking in the rearview mirror. Sometimes the 60-40 portfolio gets a, a lot of credit simply because that's what advisors are used to a lot of a lot of um, unsophisticated or maybe not as experienced advisors turn to these blanket sort of turnkey portfolio um, rule of thumbs you know 60 40 uh, model portfolios you know because it's again simple for them to implement it's easy to call somebody moderate have them answer a couple of questions and then put them in a 60-40 portfolio or an 80-20, some derivation of a model strategy. And so that's really where the risk is. It's not so much that the 60-40 itself is the end-all be-all of, of portfolios, but I think it's just a very simple, unsophisticated way to you know get access to the market and have some money uh, for safekeepings in the 40% portfolio. But again, it's it all comes down to what you need and, and when you're going to need the money, which what I've seen in doing these financial plans is that sometimes it does come out to a 60-40 mix, but, um, you know, or 50-50 or just kind of depending on, you know, the situation with the client. But to me, it's more important of the process that you go through to get to the 60-40. So if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you're just a strong optimist, yes, 60-40 is probably a good fit for you going forward. Uh, but if you really want to have confidence in your financial plan, I believe psychologically going through the process of learning about the independent income system, having a conversation about what your goals are and helping and, and having an advisor with 20, 30 years of experience to help articulate what those goals mean to you financially and that you understand where each dollar is actually dedicated and why. I think in times where the 60-40 portfolio doesn't work for you, you're going to be in a little bit more uh, confident situation to kind of, um, you know, weather the storm and, and to stay invested so you can meet those long-term goals because you've went through the exercise, you've gotten the training, and you understand what your money means and, and why it's there and what it's what it's there to do. Yeah, and we'll be uh, talking more about this and all the topics again in that retirement playbook event that we have. That's our university class that's coming up again, ARHQ.com. You can get those details and sign up online where we'll be talking about the markets, the risk, the state of the economy, and help getting you uh, looking forward for the journey ahead. That's the thing about these rules of thumb. It's not the law of the land. It's a good place to start from, but it's not the end-all be-all. As Chaz says, you want something customized specifically for you and the team at America's Retirement Headquarters over 50 plus years of combined industry experience that can help you with that. Real easy to get in touch with. 419-794-3030, online, ARHQ.com. want to thank you for joining us this week, as we always do. Really do appreciate you taking the time, spending part of it with us here on America's Retirement Headquarters. Please have a great week ahead of you. Be safe out there. Chaz, Nolan, always appreciate the time with you as well. And uh, as we wrap up, want to leave you with the final word. Yeah, great quote here from Jessica Hill. It's the only one who can tell you you can't win is you and you don't have to listen. So have a great week, folks. We'll see you back uh, here. Same time, same channel right here on Toledo's largest talk station, 1370 WSPD. Just remember when you think retirement, think America's retirement headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstance. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.